Good morning. Happy Easter, everybody. We're in uh, Luke chapter 15 this morning, and I just want to start by praying over this passage, uh, praying over our time together. Let's uh, bow our heads. Father, you have been faithful through generations. Dear Lord, there is a record of time and time again where you have been so good to us. And this morning as a community, we want to say thank you for your word that records the most wonderful event in the history of our world where you defeated death, where you rose from the grave. And we worship and we honor you this morning through the reading of your word, through song, through communion. And as we study, we pray that you will just open our hearts and our minds this morning, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, what a beautiful passage of Scripture that we read in Luke chapter 15. And it begins that there was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so the father divided his property between his sons. And not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set out for a distant country. And while he was there, he squandered all of his wealth and wild living. And after he had spent everything there, there was a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in need. And so he went out and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And, and he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. As I read this story, I read a story about a son who wanted to get away. As I read this story earlier this week, I read that he was wanting to get away. Now, under Old Testament law, the portion of the estate which would pass down to each of the sons was determined and defined by the law. It wasn't up to the father to determine how much they would receive. It was fixed by law. And so the younger son was legally correct in claiming that a percentage of his father's wealth was to come to him eventually. However, we all know, right? that he had no right to demand that his father distribute his wealth prior to his death. Imagine how your father would feel if you sat down with him and said something like this, Dad, you know you've done pretty well for yourself over the years. You've worked hard, you've saved money, you invested wisely, and now... Addition to this house, you own land, you have stocks, you have bonds secured in an IRA, you've accumulated all kinds of cash 
value. All in all, by my estimates, you're worth half a million dollars. And so what I would like you to do is liquidate enough of those assets to give me my inheritance now. I mean, after all, Dad, you seem pretty healthy. (laughs) It could be another 20 to 30 years before you die. And I don't want to wait that long. I want the money while I'm still young. Most parents would be shocked and offended by such proposal, and rightly so. I expect the father was shocked in the parable too. Because it showed that the son valued his father's stuff more than he valued his father. He loved his dad's money more than he loved his dad. And his father was a checkbook to him, a bank account, a a list of assets. And his primary concern was to get up as much out of him as possible and as quickly as possible. He cared little for his father's love because it didn't have cash value. And so he just wanted to get away. And he honestly thought he could do it. I think that's the most surprising part about the parable, is this this young man honestly believed that he could get away. But you know, life doesn't work that way, does it? We are told that the younger son squandered his wealth on wild living. It was probably the life he wanted to live under his father's house, but he didn't understand why dad was so tight with his money. And everything seemed to be going very well. He was able to squander his wealth when everything was going very well, but life threw a curveball. And we're just told that there was famine in the land. Now, Jesus' listeners knew that famine was something that no one could predict. Drought could cause famine. No one knows when a drought's going to come. Raiders stealing crops could cause a famine. Who can predict when someone is going to steal and devour? Now, the father, in his wisdom, knew that famine could happen. It was unpredictable. And he lived his household. He he raised his household with a different standard. And his younger son thought he could run away and live how he wanted to. That kind of thinking and that kind of mentality landed him in a literal pig pen with an empty stomach and an empty heart. And it goes on. It says that the younger son finally came to his senses, right? He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out, I'll go back to my father, I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please make me like 
one of your hired men. Did you notice that this young man still thought he could run away from the love of the father? In his mind, reconciliation was not even an option at this point. Moving back into his old room wasn't an option. He thought he had run away from his father's love and therefore could only come back as a hired hand. It kind of makes sense. He's taken his share of the estate. He's treated his father like he was dead. And he knows there's no provision left for the son. He knows he knows there was only one place on earth where he could eat and drink and have some sort of happiness, and that was at his father's house. And so he sat there in a pig pen with an empty stomach, knowing that the servants of his father were happier than he currently was. And he was ready to mop floors, prepare food, clean stables, do laundry, plunge toilets, whatever it took, just so he could feed himself. But he still felt too far from the Father's love. Now, if you spent time in church, in any time in your lifetime, you may have heard the story of the prodigal son. And maybe you know the end of the story. It's pretty simple. His father welcomes him back and reinstates his son. But Jesus' parable doesn't end there because there's still a second son. Let's read about him in verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. He came near the house. Can you picture it? Is that singing and dancing in my dad's house? Can you picture it? So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's, what's going on? And the servant responded with, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and he refused to go in to the party. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years, I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed any of your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours, mm, he squandered your property with prostitutes. And now he's come home and you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father responded, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. 
And so we find in this story the, the older son who's working the fields. And from the story we learn, he's always working the fields. He's always working hard because he doesn't leave the father. He doesn't ask for his portion of the inheritance. He works the fields. And can you picture the scene of sound and dancing happening at the house and him finding out that there's a party that he could be attending only to find out it was thrown for his younger brother. His younger brother, who sold himself into slavery to be a pig farmer, and yet this older brother uses some similar words. He says, Dad, I've been a slave for you. Never disobeyed you. In a way, it seems as though the older son was saying, I've earned your love. Mm. I've earned your love. So the older brother refuses to go in. Have you heard this fun twist? on everybody's favorite song, Amazing Grace. It goes like this. Annoying grace, how shrill the sound that saved a wretch like thee. I never was lost. I'm always found. Me blind? Say, can you see? Through many damsels, joints, and dares, you have already come. Disgrace you've brought. Dad's gone too far and welcomed home a bum. And because of the older, man's, uh, the older son's bitterness, he never gets a chance to party with Dad. He's so upset. He's so annoyed that he hides from the Father's love. The Father is the final character in the story this morning. We do need to read his response to his younger son when he came home, which is in verse 20. The younger son went to his father and we're told that while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, he was filled with compassion, and he ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And his son re responded, right? He, he is, he's memorized this line, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But it seems as though the father ignores him because he says to his servants, quick, Bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began 
to celebrate. I love it. While the younger son was so far away, and there is the picture of the father who is waiting, wishing, praying, and he sees him a long way off and runs to him. He runs to him. And notice his response to the older son in verse 31. My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. And I want to draw attention also to verse 30. Right here, verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. And we're told his father went out and pleaded with him. You know, when I was reading this just now, I, I just noticed this. Leave that up there. They have two brothers here. Both of them are trying to hide from the father. The younger brother, he's squandering wealth, acting like his, his dad was dead, and he ran off. He's the sinner in this story, right? He's the one who hasn't been to church in years, right? He's the one who will never step foot in church, right? He's the one who's run from the father. But this other one is also running from the father. And therefore, what does the father do? Uh, you had your chance, kid. No. He goes to him. He leaves the party, and he also goes to him. I don't want anyone here to leave this building without hearing the words. God is the father in this story, and he loves you. And maybe you're the prodigal son. Maybe you're the one who's been running from God. And God is saying through this story that he's running to you. The story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the story of God coming down from heaven for you. But he didn't just come for you because there's plenty of us here who've been pretending to be Christians We've been pretending to be Christians by earning God's love. And the story here tells me that Jesus didn't just die for the sinners. He died for you as well. Maybe you're a slave to God's love. You've been trying to earn it. You've been trying to earn it turning your nose up against those sinners, and God is calling you home as well. Come home to the Father. Let's share this video together.
I saw the look in his eyes. He was searching for a prize, worthy of his strength, worthy of his life. In a world full of shiny things, hope that he'd see his name burning bright up high in the city night. And that's when he came to me. Father, won't you give me what is due to me? I gotta go now, time for me to get out of this small town, time for me to live my life, my way, my dreams, it's my right. I know that I gotta dance with the city and own the night. Gotta find someone pretty and toast the wine. Gotta live for the moment, gotta get what's mine. I gotta live for the moment, I gotta shine. I stood right beside him, watched him pack his things. Watched him walk out the door with his hopes and dreams. I pray my best prayer for him every night I sleep. I pray my best prayer for him, yet my soul it weeps. Day after day and week after week, I can still hear his laugh and I can still hear him speak. I remember the day that I had a son. I remember our joy and I remember our fun. Weeks turn to months and months turn to years. The hope of my thoughts now consider the fear. Wonder if he's doing well. Maybe he's found a girl. Maybe he got stuck in jail. Maybe he's been shot and killed. I don't know, but I'd give all that I own just to hold my son again. The tears and the blood that I spent. The nails in my hands and my wrists. To cover the sin and the pain that you're in. To give you my peace that you might love to repent. I place a kiss on his cheek and a crown on his head just to know that my son's not dead. And if you spend all your gold and you're lost and you're cold, just come home. Just come home. Come home. Just come home.